Blog Talk Radio. Love, the new medicine. Love is the new medicine. Is it not love that heals the brokenhearted or lifts the crying child into its arms, comforting, wiping away its tears, fears and years of neglect in just one hug or a kiss? Who can miss love's presence on a rainy day? or overlook its influence when in dismay. Nay, each time it appears, duty follows, for in its wake all lies are swallowed up, and that's the truth. Love, not some simple episode on a mundane show or a passing moment in time. It is prime, foremost in all things, so what it brings is indelible, memorable. It removes all doubt, it calls death out and makes men shout and women proclaim its name again and again and again. Love is a friend that sits in waiting, not hating or outdated, but long awaited when alone, not secluded to one, but for all who seek its face, its grace, embracing its all-encompassing forgiveness when needed or not. Believe it or not, but Love's all we've got when all else fails. For God is love. Love is healing. Love is the new medicine. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. I salam alaykum, which means peace be unto you. Welcome, 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 family, to Love, the New Medicine, Conversations with Dr. Tissa Muhammad. Today's topic is Tending the Mind. With that being said, let us bring on our sister, Dr. Tissa. Hi, salam alaikum, ma'am. Well, alaikum salam, Sister Sharita. <laughs> it's a beautiful day. Um, You know, I'm fine by God's grace and mercy today, and I'm really excited about our subject matter because for those who are listening in and witnessing this conversation, you know, we are at a stage right now where it is time for us to put our focus on our visions and bringing our visions into fruition. And the beauty of it, I think, is that this is something that many of us have paid thousands of dollars for. And, you know, you you may go to hours and hours of classes and training. And I know this to be true because I know this is what is offered out there. But all this information is something that I think that we need to offer free of charge and not charge anybody anything because it's not fair for anybody to have to pay for something that is in their nature. So I think this is really what this conversation intending the mind is going to be. It's going to be a free course in how to naturally be yourself and bring about what we naturally have in ourselves, Sister Sharita. Oh, beautiful. I love it, Sister. I love it. So with that being said, could you lay the baseball conversation today, ma'am? And I thank you so much. Beautiful, Sister. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. So, Sister Sharita, whenever you're ready, we can begin this conversation. Come on. Well, you know, I tell you, Sister, Sister, last night, of course, uh, before I went to bed, I was thinking about the conversation, I mean, the topic, tending the mind. And uh, so many thoughts came to my mind. But the beautiful thing, when I, this morning I was on Facebook just looking, you know, and I saw something that was posted by the um, Final Call newspaper and um, something, uh, a lecture. It was just a cover the lecture of a lecture that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan did 
And it said that healing begins in the mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. And I said, oh, thank you, Allah. That's a good place to start. You know, and so I said, wow, this is, this is beautiful because, you know, a lot of times we, in our lives, we've been kind of programmed a certain way, you know, to think that, to look outside of ourselves for things. You know, so we think that, oh, everyone else is great. Everyone have all these different gifts and talents. Well, where's mine? You know, I can't do that, you know. And so I want to, I think we should, that's a good place to start, Sister Tissa. Um, healing. How do we heal? How do we begin to heal the mind? You know, I'm going to speak not from these books. that, and, and I do want those who are listeners to understand that these conversations that Sister Sharita and I are having are conversations that we have. <laughs> really? And we just decided to put them in a public forum. And um, in a sense, it's intuitive in these conversations. So bear with us in regards to the format. You know, when you ask me about how does it begin in the mind, I really have to use my own life as an experience um, to share how that does begin with the healing. And it's based on what I have been sharing over the course of the last few months regarding even what I've done with my own kidneys. You know, I began I began this process of healing not really with myself in a sense, Sister Sharita, but and family listening, but this whole process of healing for me and my interest in healing really began from my lineage. I have grandmothers and grandfathers as well as great grand ancestors who have been gifted to work with people and help to heal them and work with them and for those who may not understand this I'm going to say something in terms of what it's called it's called um, having a goat mouth and this is something that they use in a lot of circles in the Caribbean oh he has a goat mouth and a goat mouth is simply somebody who can speak things in advance of their happening And this is something that my family has been known to have for as long as we know. We can speak of different ancestors who have the ability to say something and it would come to pass like they said it would happen. And I happened to come into my own understanding of that gift for myself early, but I didn't know that it was even a gift. It was just the ability to see something and speak to it, not knowing that I had a quote-unquote goat mouth. (laughs) And it was my family who kind of, um, really an aunt of mine, who used to consult with me for years about issues and ask me, well, what's going to happen with this? And, well, what's he thinking? And we get into these conversations, and I'd share what my thoughts were. And then she would call me several weeks later or several months later and say, it was just like you said it. It happened exactly like that, and he did this just like you said would happen and his wife knew all the time or, you know, this type of thing. And um, I didn't really take it seriously until now, you know, because it took me a moment to kind of um, develop the confidence in believing what I was being shown. And even for myself, the visualization of helping to bring things into existence in my own life. I really had to trust in what was innately already there, which is why I'm saying that this is something people train people on and they charge a lot of money for it. But I feel that because it's innately our nature, I don't feel it's fair to charge people something that is spiritual. I feel it should be more of a donation or a gift, and it should be shared freely and let the people, you know, bear witness to it later. But the healing begins, Sister Sharita, first by the acknowledgement of your life and what you have been through. I do speak often about my divorces and the abuse I suffered through. But when I went and I looked back on my life journey, I found so much I could be thankful for. I mean, all these years I had been complaining, you know, in a sense, 
spending a lot of time focusing on the negative things that had happened to me, you know. I was molested when I was young by my cousin. I never told my parents about that. And I discovered through a straight wire that was done on me once that I also was molested as a baby by one of my babysitter's husbands. So this was something that I had in my life that I was suffering with, and I had absolutely no idea that I had been violated at such a young age. And I didn't understand why I felt so uh, reluctant to be myself. When I went back and I started to look at these things, I used to look at it from a very negative standpoint, like I was dirty, I was a hoe, I was, you know, I I came with the most derogatory outlook on myself. And I suffered for years. I would go into rooms full of men, and I felt like they could see under all of these beautiful clothes and all these righteous garments that I was nothing but a low, like a cheap $2 hoe. You see what I'm saying? That was my mindset, and it made me feel extremely uncomfortable. So even when I was exuding and exhibiting so much confidence, it was a mask for a thought process that was extremely painful about myself. When I started to get into relationships, Sister Sharita and family, I started to attract to me, initially, men who were very beautiful and very kind and loving to me. But... After I started to believe that something was really wrong with me and that I didn't deserve a good man, I I would run these men away from my life. I would find reasons to hurt them so the relationship could end because in the long run I kept feeling they wouldn't want to be with me when they discovered my secret, you know, that I really wasn't a full woman, I wasn't a pure woman, I was a dirty woman, a dirty girl, a nasty girl. And I will say to you that I started to attract at that moment men who looked at me as being a dirty girl, a nasty girl, a freak, a hoe. And I started to marry these men. So now I wasn't just in a relationship that I could walk away from. Now I was in a commitment. And I had to spend many nights fulfilling what could be or could have been a more natural sexual expression in terms of a relationship, but it really wasn't. It was really an expression of, you know, this is my whole expression. You know what I mean? And and that's really how they felt about me. So I was degrading myself in the bedroom, in the household, because I could not stand up for myself because of how ashamed I felt. And I was also degrading myself in my relationships with others because I kept feeling like when they find out who I really am, they're not going to like me. So people would compliment me, and in my mind it was like, no, I'm not that. I'm really nasty, and you don't even know that I am. But you're going to find out one day that I am. And uh, that journeying of intending the mind really began there, Sister Sharita, because I was visualizing myself in that regard. So the outcome of everything in my life was based on the circumstances of my personal outlook of being a hoe, being a dirty girl, being a freak. And so even though I was doing upstanding things, my, my perception drew failures in my life. I attracted people who would steal from me. Um, I had a business, my business of Phoenix Rising Wellness Institute, which I still have. In one year, I had started it off with $2,500 of my own personal finances. And I had just separated from my, uh, my husband at the time, my first husband at the time. And, I mean, I, I had such a determination to start this business because I saw the opportunity clear as day. And I started to hire these healers, and I you know, was working with them, representing them, getting things set up in motion. And I started with $2,500 of my own personal invested funds, and that was in 2005. And by 2008, our company was bringing in over $310,000 
And this was just based on my brainchilding these classes and just coming up with these concepts of things and figuring out a way to give the people what they needed at a cost that was affordable and make things fun and memorable for them. And the whole time I was doing that, I kept hearing how brilliant it was, and I kept feeling like, no, you don't, I'm, I'm not smart. You all don't even know. You know, I'm really a dirty girl. I'm, you know, I'm not really a good person. I'm a very, you know, dirty person. And so <clears throat> when it came to handling the money, this sister incorporated herself in my business, you know, and she came in, oh, she's a banker, and oh, I, I know what to do to help you. And she got involved in my business, and by 2008, when my son, my, I had twins, and when my son was, um, was dying, he had over five um, experiences of, uh, I mean, having to be restarted. I mean, it was extremely painful and frightening for me to watch him die in my arms, like give up his breath in one incident. And then after that, I mean, he came back. And this happened to me five times. And I became so focused on how to keep my baby alive that I lost focus of my business and watching my business. And people were calling me to tell me, because now I had her working and going out on the road and representing the business. They said, well, you know, the story's changed. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, she's telling everybody that she started the business with you she's not working for you, that now she's one of the co-owners of this. And I said, that's not true. And they said, well, when are you going to start to tell everybody what's really going on because it's confusing us? I said, well, I don't really care. You know, I mean, I'm focusing on my baby. I don't have time to fight and deal with that. Everybody who knows knows what the truth is of our business. It's proven. Her name's not on the original paperwork anywhere. And I, I neglected my business. And I made sure to focus on my son. And I didn't make certain moves that I could have made at the time to protect the business because I didn't have the, the will to fight her. And I didn't feel confident. Somehow, somewhere, under all of this, I felt like I was deserving of her treatment. And I didn't feel like I was really worthy even to have this business. And I was even considering, is it even worth it? And, I mean, this thing was making money, and I was like... I don't even know if it's worth it. Like, I just kept feeling so degraded about this business and what I had been gifted with by God, you know. And I neglected this business of Phoenix Rising Wellness Institute, which was like really a child to me. It was like a baby I had, but I neglected it. And eventually, of course, as could be understood, well, um, she took the money. And uh, she sent me a $500 bounce check. And it was interesting because uh, I really felt at that moment that I had lost something tremendous. I went into a, a stage of serious depression. My son, of course, his life was saved, and I thank God for that. And I learned so much from that experience, many amazing lessons. But I now was broke, and I was in a broken marriage at this stage. Um, in fact, he at that time laughed when I lost the money because he thought, oh, yeah, you know, you were too stupid to figure out how to protect your own business. He thought it was funny, and he couldn't understand why I was crying about it. He was extremely cruel in his approach, but I had to look back even on him and realize he never owned a business. He was always working for somebody. He didn't know what it meant to do what I did. So I forgive yes, him. I really do for that because maybe it was petty for him for me to cry over this major loss, you know. But right. he didn't understand that I was crying really not just for the business, but I was crying for the people who I wanted to gift with monies from this business to help them get a home, land I wanted to purchase, ventures I wanted to help to establish for the people in the Caribbean and other places. So it wasn't just the loss of money. It was the loss of what I saw as the vision to help humanity in a sense. Mm 
and I went under, you know, <laughs> I really went under. And uh, it took me a long time to resurface because I couldn't sleep at night. Even though I tried to turn my back on the business and forget it, it was like I, get, I would get calls. When are you having classes again? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> These people don't even know. This business is destroyed. Um, and I kept hearing about what she was doing. She had purchased land in Africa, and she was taking a lot of the, the goals that I had in mind, things that I had set up and established. She was using those now under her name and making it now seem as she had started the whole thing. And she was selling the people on a story, you know. And I was nowhere to be seen. I wasn't out there. I wasn't defending anything. Um, I really didn't even know how to defend it because I was so broken about the loss. And at that time, around that time as well, my brother had transitioned just a few years before. So I really was still just in between very low self-esteem, very damaging feelings, a relationship that was just breaking down all around me and people who didn't seem to really care about what I had gone through and could not even contact my thoughts on it because they had never started anything and brought it to that level of development. So how would they really know? But I'm here to say that that very painful experience taught me something about intending the mind. Because I started to focus so deeply on what I did and how this happened, how I allowed this to happen. And it really happened because my business started to feel like it was so important to me because I couldn't sleep at night. I kept seeing people dying and hearing of people dying, and every time I heard it, I would cry more, and I felt guilty because I felt like, oh, my God, I need to be giving the people more. The people need to understand how to help themselves. And it's not expensive. It's, it's really easier than they understand. And I was wrestling with myself so many nights in bed about these thoughts, like, I got to do better. I have to get up. I have to raise the business up. And I have to bring back the phoenix and bring her back to life. And um, I will say that uh, what was so beautiful to me about that was that I, um, one day I saw where I went wrong. I literally saw that the core of all the loss was me, everything. And it was all because I was unjust to myself. I had been given something by God, a vision, and I did not tend to the vision, the garden, properly. I let weeds interfere with the garden and come in and destroy the roots and stifle out the wheat, you know, in a sense. And um, I was treating it in a shameful manner. I, I allowed the baby to be cut in half, if you understand, in a sense. I didn't protect the baby. And then one day, as I got to seeing where I was, where my thinking was, and I started to work on myself, and I started to really attack my, my self-esteem, one day he showed me something. He pointed out to me the world in terms of my business and what was being done out there. And he said, look, even with her, she's not even doing it. And she has the plans, but she still is unable to do it. He said, take a look out there. Who's doing what you were doing? And I looked, and I looked, and there was nobody doing what I was doing then and there was nobody doing it now and that's when he showed me that when he gave me that vision he had given it to me because he felt like I was the person who was the right person to do that and when I when I saw that he also told me you are the phoenix and I started yes. to see the visions. Yes. I saw the visions of the fact that a phoenix has to be burned. 
<laughs> to a crisp, you know. It has to go into a stage where it is thoroughly destroyed. And it's almost self-combusting in a sense, you know, because this whole story of this phoenix is one where it is born in a rose. It's birthed in the bud of a rose, and it's like this rose opens up and blossoms and out pops this beautiful, iridescently colored bird. And this bird that climbed out of this rose, according to the story, or some stories, some say it was birthed out of a golden egg, you know, but I love the rose one better, <laughs> you know. They say that it, it just kind of shakes itself and it kind of shakes its feathers and then she just kind of just totters, and it, you know, kind of topples over a bit and <laughs> then she starts to test her little wings and then she starts to fly. That's right. And I saw that what had happened was the phoenix got a little burned up. <laughs> but she was being reborn. Come on, come on. And it was all because I changed my perception of things and I changed my perspective of myself. I was no longer a dirty girl. All of my experiences, the rape, the molestation, and everything else that followed, the degradation, the abuse, all of that was all part of lessons to help me, to help other men and women who suffered similar experiences to know that they too could climb up out of the depression and suicidal thoughts and they could contact, they could recontact their value and the God in them. And I'll tell you something now, Sister Sharita and family. I'll tell you that now that vision is happening, even with what we're doing right now on this show. It's like really, you know, part of that. It is part of it, and... For those who are listening in, I want you to understand that since I've changed the way I think, it's like, wow, I I, I can't tell you the type of opportunities that are being offered to me right now. And the only thing I can really do is thank God for it because he has shown himself to be constantly present in the midst of all of it, you know. And he has shown me tremendous amounts of mercy and a lot of favor. It's like the psalmist David said, you know, it's like he anointed my head with oil until my cup runneth over. And I feel that. And it is something that we can all do. And I want to share that, Sister Sharita. Because you have to first go deep and you got to attack all the thoughts you have that make you feel like you have no value. And you got to go and rewrite the history on what happened to you. You were sodomized. You were raped. Man, no. This was all a training lesson. I had to be sodomized or raped in order for me to be able to go and teach the people, God's people, that there is a light at the end of this tunnel. And there's so much value and beauty in me and in you, and in our suffering. And all that these people were designed to do was to help us to contact that love that's so unconditional in us, and we're not to lose it. We have to grow the love and feed the love, and it has to be fed every day. You feed it by meeting people every day, and don't stop being kind and loving to people. Don't stop being considerate of their needs just continually be there for people and love them no matter what their circumstances are begin to start to see where they're coming from and understand that even if they're doing wrong against you like that sister did with me it is really born out of something in herself that isn't adequate and we have to just change the perspective and take back responsibility and then you take these nights when you're sitting down and 
when you're in a quiet space and begin to continually build a vision. Don't stop. See the vision. See it grown from start to finish. Go start looking at materials. You don't have the keys, but start to look at materials. I'm going to use this and I'm going to use that. And you know what? I'm going to put this pill, um, the pillow here, or you know, use this kind of pill here for healing. And okay, I'm going to design this type of thing here or design that. Start to pull swatches of colors and put together a vision board. Yes. You know. Yes. And uh, don't lose sight of your vision. Believe in it. Believe in yourself. God blessed you with a tremendous amount of information. And you don't have to leave this planet as just some dust that just blows off. You can be made indelible. You can be made to be remembered. But it's not because you're trying to make all this money. You need to be remembered because you love people and you want to see people heal, you know. And it has to be deeply in. In, in, entrenched in you and etched into you that I want to see people healed. I want to see people who have suffered what I've suffered. I want to see them smiling and happy and living a good life and finding the love that's unconditional, you know, that they deserve. Finding people who can really just really give them things, not because they have a plan to take it back or they need something, but to give them because, you know, they love. Yes, yes. And that's what I wanted to say, Sister Sharita, on that. Hello, Akbar. So beautiful, Sister, as you were sharing with us. Hello, Akbar. I, could, I became very grateful to Allah and thankful to Allah because I said, wow. <coughs> excuse me. Then he, excuse me. <coughs> then he had allowed you to become, you, you become, you know, you're getting free. And you're free enough to um, share with us on that level. And that's how we know that we're free You know, but I began to think about um, So many things, let me say that first But I just wanted to say that I thank Allah for you sharing And Him to um, allowing you to get free from all that um, I thought about how, you know A healer, you being a healer And how the healer has to go through Some of the things that the people are going through or the women are going through so that she can truly help those women. And I'll tell you what just came to my mind. A lot went by where we had, were on the prayer line one morning, and Brother Patrick shared that the minister had sent him to Haiti. Yes. And when he got to Haiti, now I don't have the full story. You probably could pull, into the, pull in the blanks, but this is what yeah. stayed with me, that he was chosen for that particular mission. And then he was put to the test because he went there and he saw the suffering of the people and he cried yeah. for the people. Yeah. And then he had come from Haiti, so that was his home, you know. And so I said, thank you a lot. But as you were sharing, of course, I reflected on some of the things that I had gone through. And again, I remember one day you asked me, you said, Sister Sharita, like, you know, basically, are you happy? Or not happy, but are you grateful for all the things that you've gone through? Doing your life And I got really excited if you remember Very charged up Yes I am I thank Allah for everything That I've ever gone through in my life Even the things that I considered to be So bad because I realized that one, at some point Thank Allah well, Allah made me to understand that This is what I had to go through Because he was making me And for real Had it not been for all those things That I went through This Sharita, I just can't see her being here, sitting here, having this conversation. You know, and it's not just a conversation, but Allah is blessing me to live this stage by stage in my development. As you know, these many of these conversations um, that we are having and have had was all based on self-healing because I had yeah. issues, health issues that I needed, well, let me back up. Let me take that back. That Allah had blessed me to have a problem that I needed to solve within myself. This is how I see it today. And one of the things that, and so in search of this knowledge, of trying to learn how to heal myself, you know, um, instead of entrusting my life to the doctors. And I remember hearing the minister say this. He said, 
and one of his lectures, I don't know which one, but again, this is what stood out. He said, if you want to become a doctor, or if you want to, he said, sit yourself underneath a doctor. You want to become a lawyer, then sit yourself underneath a lawyer. And when he said that, it was like something opened up. I started to meet all these uh, doctors and natural healing, you know. And it was a different type of meeting. It was like I was supposed to meet these people at this time, you know, and I think you and I had a conversation about that. But I want to I say all that to say that as you were speaking, I was like, wow, certain things we have to go through in order to help the people. Now, what I've noticed, praise be to Allah, in my life at this time is that I'm starting to meet people with the same condition that I am. The same exact condition. Family members, family members that know people that have it. And I'm like, one of my family members came to me and they started to tell me about this woman that could not walk, that could not breathe. And I say, um, and and the way they describe it, he said she was fine last week. And I said, oh, no, you, you have to let me speak to her. Because, um, because, um, um, I know, I know, I, I, that's what I, that's what they said I have. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, yours is not like this. No, Sharita, this sister is bad off. I said, I know I was there. I want to talk to her. I said, please let me talk to her. He said, what? You were like that? I said, yes. Allahu Akbar, but Allah is healing me. You see? And so when yes. we think about tending the mind. I'm going to say this, yeah. beloved, and if I may, and just send it back to you. You know, I may give the, um, turn it back over to you. But I was thinking about that. I said, I got to meet her. My father suffers the same condition that I have. And everything that I'm learning, I share with my father. And he is like, he's just really saying, wow. And I want to report this. I want to report this. I went to the doctor, and they're like, they're just like, wow, what is going on with you? You know what I mean? Yes, yes, that's right. Um, so we have to live it. We have to live. Um, we have to live it. So when we think about, or when I think about um, my attending the mind, you know, these are things that we um, expect to happen. We contempl- uh, contemplate that this is going to happen. We know that um, we're doing it on purpose, you know, and we are looking for a certain outcome. You know, we set goals. And these are things that, you know, but I'm going to tell you this. I thank Allah for the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I got to say this. Because the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. And that's the thing that we lack because before that, sister, all the things that you said that you felt, now I didn't have names for them. I didn't have names. And to hear you speak of it like that, I said, whoa, I know that feeling. Because I didn't have names for it. I just had the feeling. And it didn't necessarily have to be all that, although it was some of that. But it could be even... Hmm. You know, um, um, just not knowing who I was, you know, and and then looking at believing that this is the way life is. You work, you get a job, you know, you buy nice things, and then you die. Or you don't work, you're on welfare, in the project. You know, this is like, this is what I saw in my reality. This is is what I saw. So I thank Allah for the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, which opened up a whole new world for me. You see? Yeah. Praise be to Allah. Yes. So I just wanted to share that. And there was one more thing, and inshallah, I'll share that after after the um, show, I mean, before we close. But uh, I would like to hear from you now, beloved. Thank you. As-salamu alaykum. Yes, ma'am. Alaykum salam. And sister, what I want to say is that, um, like, with what you're sharing, we, if we, we start to pay attention, we start to notice that there's a lot of people who are just like us. Yes. Who have similar <laughs> suffering experiences like we do. Yes. And those people, when we start to study them and start to see, um, start to see them really for who they are. Yes. We'll see that they're at different stages of healing. Some will yes. be at the same stage you're at. Some will yes. be at a lower stage. Some will be at an yes. advanced stage. Whatever stage they're at, if you if you really note it we'll see that these people are reflections of us in different degrees. Come on, that's right. And if we're wise in terms of our observation, and we, we do less talking and, and really a lot more observing, then we'll begin to see that those people 
are really a sign for us in our own journey, our own spiritual journey, you know, they're they're assigned to they're assigned to us that you're gonna make it through. That's right. And it's also a sign and a warning as to what not to do. Let me give you a good example of that. Yes. When I was I spoke about my son and how he was dying. Yes. My son was born in a hospital in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And the staff I mean, I had my midwife there and I you know I was birthing twins, they knew that, and I had an amazing, amazing physician who delivered my baby's breech, okay? <laughs> and he was from um, Europe. I mean, he's like an older doctor. I mean, when you talk about a real doctor, he's really a real physician, <laughs> you know, like a really old person. Um, I mean, he knew and understood what needed to be done, and he was working with the midwives. He even told her, look, if you want to birth and deliver the babies, you can do it. But she said, no, I feel more confident with you doing it. (laughs) Everybody stood back because he was such a jovial spirit as well. Um, That it's just something that you just felt like, yeah, you're confident and he's such a wonderful individual. So when my son was born, of course, he was born with this condition called prune belly syndrome, which is where his abdomen was actually enlarged on the side and the muscle was weak and stretched out. This happened because his bladder um, did not properly, like everything was properly developed, but his urethra, you know, like he he was not opening up his ureters, like nothing was opening up. It was almost like it was blocked, little tiny blocks, these leaves leaves that are there had not opened for some reason, whatever it was. Um, They could have surgically been fixed had they noticed it earlier. They could have gone in and literally in the womb, you know, sent in an instrument that would have sort of broken this barrier that had developed, which was not allowing his urine to to properly release itself. And, of course, at the end of it, you know, the swelling was happening and everything else. So when he was born, of course, he had all this urine just come out of him when he was born. And his kidneys were torturous, like his, uh, like everything, like it was enlarged and everything was twisted and out of shape out of the proper shape anatomically you know but of course they didn't know what they were looking at and they were afraid when he was born so I mean the doctor put him on the table and they because I don't think even he even knew what it was they sort of conducted it as if you know we have to be extremely careful we have to send him to a very big hospital where they could figure this all out they finally figured it out but by that time he was already shipped off (laughs) You know, I went into a depression because I was away from him for a week. I couldn't nurse him. I had fallen ill. I was nursing the other baby, but I was missing him tremendously. My midwife was fighting with them. I mean, it just went haywire in there, you know. Yes. And all of this, I'm going to say to you, just was such a painful, excruciating experience for me. I was in the hospital day in and day out. I lived in the hospital. He was constantly having one infection after the other infection after the other because they did other procedures on him as well. Nobody knew what they were really doing. And we finally, I mean, of course, I finally was able to get him where he needed to be, and he was, I found an expert on prune belly it, just up the road from where I lived in upstate New York with my second husband. And he solved the issue, and he cleared it up and let them know I wasn't the one making the baby sick. He, he broke it all down for everybody, what was really going on. And that really I was helping keep my son alive. So, I mean, he turned it all around and really gave me back my power, you know, in natural medicine, dealing with my son. But I took certain procedures. I I, I took certain um, procedures in dealing with my son. I I threw away the program they gave me, and I literally laid out my own program for him based on my observation. Because I saw that they were telling me that he was only going to live until his early 20s. He would never have children and that he was going to um, just kind of just transition in a very painful way. And I was like, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know I, mean? I was like, yeah, right. not my baby. And I was like, not on my watch. And I told him that, too. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So you say, we'll see about that, you know. That's right. And I'm going to tell you something. What was so powerful to me about that sister is this. 
when I look back on that situation that occurred with my children, you know, and with my son, just a few years ago I was given a call by a woman who told me that her son also had prune belly syndrome, and he was born about two or three years after my son was born. And you know what? Her son was on a kidney transplant list, and he was dying. He was very ill. And I said to her, well, you know, I think at the time he was, her son was five and my son was eight. And I said to her, you know, I was like, well, what exactly happened with your son? I asked her to share with me what she was doing and the procedures she was taking. And I found out that my, my advice to my, like what I decided to do and the, the advice that was given to me spiritually that I followed, that I decided I wasn't going to let anybody dictate through the, the Western medicine, that... I decided that I was not going to give them all the medicines that they were advising. Because these people didn't know what they were talking about. Let's be real. They knew nothing about it. They didn't know how to follow through. They kept making a lot of errors. My son was staying sick with them. So I said, well, I'm just going to release them and do my own thing. And her son followed every single protocol they laid out, every single one. And now I saw him dying. And you know what I determined at that moment? I actually found a reason to be thankful, so thankful to God. I wanted to help her, but she did not want my help. I have to tell you that because I wasn't going to just see that. But she let me know she didn't need my help. And, in fact, I never heard from her after that day. Like when she found out my son was well and I I told her what I did, she kind of scoffed at it. And uh, she kind of hung up the phone, and I felt that energy from her, like, I'm not doing what you did. Like, she just didn't believe in what I was doing. My son is now nine, and he happened to go back in the hospital. My father um, was afraid one night when he had a fever, and he was staying with my parents, so he put him in the hospital. (laughs) It's kind of interesting. And I was angry. Because I'm like, I don't want this boy back in the hospital because I know when he gets in there, they're going to be trying to do all that they can and give him all these medicines and everything else. And I'm not having that because I know what works for him. I've been working with him and he's still alive and healthy, <laughs> which, which, and there is a difference. That's right. But, sister, when I went back to that hospital, I didn't realize that God was bringing me in that hospital to give me more accolades because... The same nurses who worked with my son when he was first born, guess what? One of them was the head nurse, and all of them were still there. Most of them, rather. And when they saw his chart and they saw who he was, they rushed to the room to see him. And my dad called me and said, you know, when you get here, you have a lot of nurses waiting to see you because they all remember you. And I said, really? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I said, oh, it be good to see them. And when I walked in, they were congratulating me and hugging me about my son's health. That's right. And they said to me, you know, we got to admit to you, we thought this little guy was going to be dead. We didn't even think he was going to make it to 20 years. We really thought he was going to die. And we felt so sorry for him, and, and, and the amount of love and care you had for him really bothered us, that it just seemed like it was just all for nothing. But we can now see that your son is very well, and you're doing a great job. And yeah, that happened for my, that happened, you know. And all of this was because, once again, I visualized my son being well. I visualized him being a, a grown old man, because they said he would never have children. He's not going to live long. And I'm like, I visualized this boy living long, being very healthy, having his stomach going down, and having babies. Come on. Like giving me That's tons right. of grandchildren to the point where I'll be like, damn it, boy, you're just breeding this whole world. You know, like that, that type of thing. Like I just saw him being fully fertile with everything. That's right. That's right. And I can you know, tell you that he is defying them right now whenever they do see him because his kidneys are very healthy and he's very well, you know. 
And that, to me, Sister Sharita, is all part of that intending the mind because to intend something means it's like it's a purpose, it's 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 a goal, it's a mission, it's um, it's like you have something set up. It's defined in a sense as to have in mind as something to be done or brought about a plan. You know, that's intending the mind. So the intending of the mind is whatever your goal is. I would say I would suggest that you. Doubt everything. Take what's only necessary, but leave the rest behind. Anything that's based on fear, drop it. Don't, Come on. Don't, don't, don't listen to the fear part of it, because that's designed to keep you a slave. And according to Master Farad Muhammad, he said that if you can visualize something, he said anything that you can see can be made possible. He said the minute you can see it in your mind is the minute you can bring it and call it into existence. And remember, thought travels at the rate of 24 billion miles per second. Come on. So that tells us that our thoughts are like action. Like, like they're X-Men. They're out there. They're moving. The minute you have a thought, it's moving. But where is it going? Where's that thought going? That thought is actually shooting straight ahead of you. And whether it's good or bad, it's bringing back something. It's not going to come back void. So I would really encourage us to intend our thoughts and our minds to be on positive things that we want to see. You want a house? Visualize your house. But before you visualize it, the house you're in right now or the shack, whatever you might call it, change the name. Make it a palace. This is my palace. You know? This is my, you know, my temple. Come to my temple and treat it as such. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to get anything nice till I get in the house. Oh, no, don't do that. You better get all the nice stuff right now into that shack, as you live call it. Live it, yes, live it, yes. Live that right now. Make that your reality right now. Okay, don't get everything in there, but get enough in there. Yes. Because the yes. more that you become in tune with these fine things of life that you want to achieve or whatever it is, you want to visualize. I don't know what it is. Maybe a relationship. You have to see it. I love to like look at beautiful couples and how they interact, and I visualize them. And I'm saying to myself, mm, that's what I want for myself. And I have this private conversation with God where I'm like, you know what? I want you to bless me with a man who's just like him. I want to feel just like she feels. And immediately when I say that, it's like I feel like a check mark. You know, it goes on <laughs> like you stay. Well, so. you know, yes, it works like everything else. It's been working. It is. <laughs> you know, but that's that's the thing. We got that power. We have the juice to do that. Man, we've been calling bad in our lives the whole time. You know, and thieves and getting all these people coming up in this end stole for me. Well, yeah, yeah, because we've been calling that into existence. But now, but that now we, know, we can call see. it something greater. We know something, right, we have some this new wisdom, you know, praise the Lord. We know yes. who we are now. We know who God is now. We know that we don't have to look in the sky for anything no. because we can look inside of ourselves, praise be to Allah. And again, back to what we always say, the kingdom of God is within, yes. you. within you. But you brought up That's so right. many major points. I mean, sister, it's so much like, oh, an hour is just not enough, you know, praise the Lord, but... I do want to say, as you were speaking, I started to think about, um, you know, when there were things that, like, we know innately, like, I remember, as you were speaking, I thought about when I was a child, that I used to have these images and see these pictures. Now, they said it was my imagination, and it was. (laughs) They said I had a really, but I used to see pictures. And so when I would say things about it, or I would share things that that I would see, they would say, oh, don't say that, you know. People are going to think you're crazy or, you know, whatever it is that. So I stopped, I stopped, I stopped talking about it. I stopped, you know, I didn't feel good about what I was seeing, although it kept me entertained. I was really, really happy inside, you know what I mean? But, and I held that in for so long that I forgot. I forgot that we had that ability, you know. So today that, you know, um, again, as we're being opened up, we're opening up. You know, these are some of the gifts and the talents, and we all have them. We all have them, but we have to believe in them. So when you were talking about the woman who would not, that did not want to take your advice, 
I thought about that in regards to healing. Like, the difference between what I was sharing, like my father, he's, he, 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 he does the things that, some of the things that I share with him. He goes, he does his own research, and then he says, oh, I see you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Praise be to Allah. So he's more willing to try these things because, one, he's seen me in that state, and he sees me in the state that I'm in. I'm in now by Allah's permission. You see what I'm saying? But you have yeah. to believe it. You have to believe it. Like, it's easy to say, yeah, we're talking self-healing. But do we really believe it? Right, exactly. And that, that's like part of the healing. So we go refine the um, herbs and the different vitamins and whatever it is that we're doing, we find it. But then the other part is you got to know it. Like the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, you got to know that God is yeah. with you. You that's see? Right. A lot of all of that. But I know it's a process. It is a process. Even believing is a process. Even, you know, all that is a process. But we keep on going, as you said. We keep on going. I remember hearing the minister say one time, just keep on going no matter what. No matter what. Whether it's, you consider it good or bad, whatever it is, just keep going. Praise be to Allah. And so we're here today by Allah's permission. So, sister, back to you. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think a lot. I know that we're rounding it up now at this stage, and you know, for those who are listening in, um, we we have been entertaining certain questions that have been passed on to us, and we'd love to entertain your questions as well, because there's a lot of people suffering with different things, and they want to really get to the bottom, the core of it, or even be a part of the conversations that we're having, and we welcome you for that. You know, if you have a question, we'd like to invite you to email us. And they can you know, simply send those questions to lovemedicine19 at gmail.com. And um, that's lovemedicine, all one word, one nine, at gmail.com. And you can ask anything that you really would like to ask. We'd love to be able to discuss it and go, you know, into it, you know, just pretty much by God's permission. Because, of course, we're not going to claim anything. You know, because I know that it's all based on him and what he really wants for us to do. And these conversations, as Sister Sharita can bear witness, are really that. Like, they are intuitive conversations. We're not really running around with notes (laughs) at this stage. We're just really dealing with things that we talk (laughs) about on a day-to-day basis. And it's a reflection of um, those thoughts in terms of that as well as things we've studied and we're seeing and hearing. But um, you can reach out to us, and we look forward to that. In addition, you can hear more about this conversation by going online. You can share this. On SoundCloud, we have a page that's set up. And it's, of course, soundcloud.com, and it's forward slash love medicine. So that's soundcloud.com, and it's forward slash love medicine. And uh, we had a question from a caller last week who had, uh, mailed us a, a question, and she was asking about her weight gain. And um, there's so many reasons for why we gain weight, you know. So we just want you to know that don't give up. You know, focus on your diet for those who are in Ramadan or who are clearing off or just doing whatever they're doing. Just begin to understand and see yourself, visualize yourself losing that weight. And visualize yourself away from that big sandwich. <laughs> you know, visualize yourself releasing these things and moving off from that. But we'll talk about that further. I don't know what our conversation next week will be, but we definitely look forward to you joining us. So thank you again. God bless you. Have a tremendously beautiful day. And it's a new world. Heal thyself. Sister Sharita, thank you for joining us thank you. and joining me in this conversation. On this network. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar.